Well, darkness, this is Vivian L. Miller, and I'm here with C.J. Jones. And today we're going to talk about the, the title the Lord gave me on this one is Play to Win. Play to Win. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. I can do that. I need to, yeah, we need to do that. <laughs> the whole body of Christ needs to do that. And That's we've right. had discussions about this before, but the Lord said it's time to start taking our private discussions to the podcast. Okay. We can do Play that. Yeah. I, I want to start with a story that I remember hearing. Probably heard it too when we both worked for that that ministry years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, where the Lord, the the minister that we worked for, he was he would wait till he got to a meeting and then he would start putting fires out because Satan would make sure that there were fires going on throughout the meeting. And I'm not talking literal fires, but spiritual fires where you know. Maybe the, the reservations didn't go through correctly and they had to scramble for rooms or the 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 um, offerings didn't come in and they weren't able to, they were short on the budget or, you know, all kinds of confusion, lost luggage, all kinds of things. And he would be, he would spend the entire meeting putting fires out. Mm-hmm. I told him, he says, if you, if they had waited, if they had addressed Al Capone when he first moved to Chicago, they wouldn't have had the big mess they had to deal with years later. Hmm. They waited too long to deal with Al Capone. Right. And by then he had a huge network that took a lot of effort and a lot of time to bring down. Right. And this is what Christians do. They wait until they see a fire. Mm, yeah i get where you're going with that yeah okay so you see what i'm saying i mean christians have been have not been taught if i if i say the term spiritual warfare in a group of christians Mm -hmm. i think every one of them has a different viewpoint of what spirit probably yes and for the majority of the Christians that I've met over the years, and I've been born again since 19, of course, I'm only 21. That's all I ever admit to. <laughs> but I've been born again since June 8th of 1986. So I'm coming up on another birthday. Right. And in those years, I've seen multiple times people wait until they see the problem and then they start praying about it. That's right. And by the time Satan's worked on something behind the scenes and built it so that you can see it, it's a mess. You're absolutely right about that. That's for sure. I mean, unfortunately, we do wait too long. We do. I mean, I've, we've all been guilty of it, but some Christians, even in now, the times we're in, there are so many. Every day is another tragedy or another another calamity or something is going on every single day right and people are being reactive instead of proactive yes and we've had many discussions just the two of us talking about how it's time for the church to step up yeah and we've we've said this on the podcast but today when i was you know saying i I mean, normally the Lord gives me something to talk about a few days in advance. So I can kind of be meditating on it and preparing in this kind of thing. And like I told you before we started the podcast today, I was like, Lord, the podcast is supposed to take place today. I don't have anything. What do you, what would you have me do? Right. And he said, talk, title it play to win and talk about being proactive instead of reactive. Right. Because too many Christians sit on their rusty dusties and do nothing until it's a big, huge mess. And I don't know how it reads in your Bible, but in my Bible, it says his sheep know his voice Mm -hmm. and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Well, if 
How come we're not getting this ahead of time? Oh, wow. That's a good point. That's I mean, a good point. It didn't, it didn't take the Lord by surprise. Well, no, of course not. I mean, nothing ever does. Right. But how come it did, took us by surprise? We're, aren't we part of the body? Yes, we are. But on, on the other hand, I think that many of us, like we've been saying for months now, is that Christians are not discerning the times. They're not. They're, therefore, they're not discerning the urgency of what we should be doing, what we need to be doing at this moment. Mm-hmm. So, and it it reminds me of a story. Do you, do you remember? If you don't mind, if I interject this story. No, um, no, go ahead. Do you remember when we worked at that ministry we were just talking about? And part of our training program was having to watch different um, DVDs and such from different minist- ministries. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if you remember that or not. But... I do. I do remember that. Okay. Do you recall the one from Chip Brim? that we had to watch where he had gotten a job at Oral Roberts university. I I think as a spiritual mentor to the student athletes. Mm -hmm. I do remember that. Okay. Well, he was talking about how there was just one thing after another happening that was really hindering them and trying to, to reach the goals that they had set for themselves and for the ministry, for the athletes and things like that. It was constant. It was a constant barrage. Mm -hmm. And finally the Lord spoke either to, uh, I can't remember if it was to Oral Roberts or if it was to Chip Brim. And he says, if you had been operating in the, in the anointing from the beginning and taken authority over this in the beginning, this this would have never been an issue correct so that's precisely where we are right now in the body is that if we we would learn to operate in the anointing constantly just being plugged into the anointing all the time right and listening to the lord's voice and his direction and taking authority over those things that are hindering us and causing all of this confusion and chaos and things that are are happening right now um not just within the body of christ but within the world itself we wouldn't be dealing with with such a mess all the time and putting out fires as we were talking about just earlier right so that's that's where we are that's exactly where we are that is we the church has been so much of the church in control i hear that so much it irritates me now he's only in control as much as we give him the place right we are in covenant relationship with him that means he has a part and we have a part yeah and until we do our part he cannot do his part that's true and we don't know what what we're expecting him to do something, but he's waiting on us. He's a, like, I told you, we've talked about this before. I don't remember if it was on the podcast or just the two of us, but he's like a chess player, a good chess player, professional chess player, never. Right. But he always takes his turn when it's his turn. He does. And I don't know if people have, really notice that when you're reading through um, the new testament god always puts the first move on us Mm -hmm. you know as far as it says even in the old testament yeah even in the old testament does but it's to me it's more it's more obvious in the new testament because when you're reading certain certain passages and certain scriptures like for example um when he's saying you know, to forgive or to make things right with your neighbor. He always says there's, it doesn't say you go, it says go, but there is that, that understood subject before the word go. And that is you, right? You're the one that's supposed to go and make it right. Yeah. So you're the one that has to go and it always puts it on 
you as the responsible party, the individual. So that's even how we should be in relationship with God. We should know that, you know, when we need him to do something for us, we don't just sit here and say, well, God is in control. No, we go to him in prayer and 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 ask him what is my help. Yeah, and if you don't know what the step is, he's very gracious. All you have to do is say, I don't know what my step is. And he'll right. show you. He'll tell you, okay, go over to your next door neighbor and do this, you know. Uh-huh. I mean, it's not sometimes it's something you don't even realize when you do it, you're thinking, This is okay, this seems so little. Why am I okay? All right, yeah, I'll follow what you said, but it just seems so insignificant. Right. There's, you know, I live in I live in a state where there everybody is pretty much the same religion. I won't mention the state, but everybody in this state, pretty much, probably ninety eight percent of the people I know are of a certain religion, and I'm not of that religion. Right. And I'm surrounded by people that but believe a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe, I don't agree with what they believe, but I'm, I'm not here to, to condemn them or whatever. I'm here as the light. And there's a neighbor who works where I work during my day job. Right. <laughs> and, and my neighbor happens to be one of the first people I've met when I went to work there, not realizing she was actually three doors down from me. Hmm. And she says, oh, I've seen you in my building. You, you live so yeah I do and she says yeah I'm on the same floor with you I'm in this this particular spot and I went oh well ever since I've lived here and it's going to be four years in just a few um, days um, she at Christmas time she always leaves something at my door Um, if it's if it's you know just sporadically she'll leave me something you know not always like valentine's day she left me a a card for valentine's day Mm -hmm. and um i always say thank you and i'm very great but i've never done anything myself and then about two months ago i was watching something watching a podcast and they had an ad for um for a, a company and they had a sale on towels and the lord spoke to me very clearly and he says go buy her these towels. So I called and placed an order right away because the Lord told me to. I, at first I asked her what color her bathroom towels were. And she told me, but I couldn't match the color. And I said, Lord, you're going to have to show me what color to get because. So uh-huh. he showed me. So I got the towels and I went to, and with the towels came a book. They were giving a, uh, a book that had been written by the owner of the company for free about his born again experience. Mm-hmm. And so when I got the, the towels, I took the, the packing list out with my personal information on it and gave her the towels and gave her the book. Do you know that I didn't even connect it until this moment, but I led her to the Lord about a month ago. Really? Mm-hmm. That is awesome. And I think it's connected to that book. Wow. I didn't realize that until just this moment. Well, that's pretty amazing. Because that book is the story of someone who was a Coke addict. Uh-huh. And God completely turned his life around. And he's wow. he's he's very, very wealthy today with yes, this company is. that he has. That's right. So you don't know when you do something, you don't always recognize why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. But you just follow what the Lord says. And people are, are so, I'm, I'm really fed up with hearing people say things like when we had the, the recent school shooting mm-hmm. just a week, not even a week and a half ago. You know, oh, we need to pray for the families. Oh, we need to, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yes, we do need to pray for the families. But why didn't we pray before this ever happened and prevent it from happening? Well, where was the church? I think a lot of people would say to that, 
that, oh well there's there was no way for us to to know that that was coming well that's, that's not necessarily true that's not true and if you're yeah. you and i we were talking about prayer between ourselves recently mm-hmm. And I gave you scriptures that I pray over certain people. Yes. I did not tell you that one of the prayers I pray over certain people every day, and that included you. That's when you found out you've been prayed for for years with the. One of the prayers that I pray every day is Psalm 91. Mm -hmm. If someone is already in the habit of one, and I'm, I'm not praying to, oh, just my, me and my, and my family and that's it and no more. I pray for a lot of people. I have them in categories because there's so many people. I can't keep track of each one. Mm-hmm. You're one of the few that I actually name when I pray. But most of them I don't. I just lump them into the people that work here or the people that do this or the people that go to this church or whatever. I, I lump them because yeah. there's too many of them. You're one of a few, very handful that I pray and actually name your name. But I pray Psalm 91 over them. Who, if someone had been praying Psalm 91, over, I know it's anticlimactic and it's very, very undramatic. But if someone had been praying Psalm 91 over that school and over that, that community, right. nothing would have happened. That. We would not know the name of that community. We would not know the name of that school. Right. There would be nothing to report. <laughs> when people are looking for supernatural, they don't, they, they're looking for, you know, like a skywriting God to appear in the clouds and speak. That's what they're looking for. Yes. They don't much. recognize the supernatural. A lot of times it's so quiet. Do you remember, I don't remember the name of the prophet that w- went to the, the cave and waiting for the Lord. He heard thunder, but the Lord was not there. And he heard the wind, but the Lord was not there. And he, several large things happened, but the Lord was not there. And then he heard a whisper. And it was the voice of the Lord. Wow. It's in the Old Testament. I don't remember which yeah, prophet it was. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember the prophet either right offhand. But, but the thing of it is, is that people are looking for the supernatural and they think it's something spectacular. It, supernatural doesn't mean spectacular. It means God on flesh doing those things only God can do. Mm-hmm. And if somebody had been praying, even one person had been praying over that school, Psalm 91, none of that would have happened. Well, that's true. You're right, actually. That was the responsibility of us. Active. Yes. Instead of reactive. You're right. I have the Amplified because the Lord told me to put the Amplified close to me, so I have it here. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. I will say of the Lord, he is my and my fortress, my God on him. I lean and rely and in him I confidently trust. For then he will deliver, it says you, but I always make it personal. For then he will deliver me or then he will deliver us from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Then he will cover us with his pinions, and under his wings shall we trust and find refuge. His truth and his faithfulness are a shield and a buckler. We shall not be afraid of the terror of of the night, nor the arrow, the the evil plots and slanders of the wicked that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, COVID, Mm -hmm. nor the destruction and sudden death that surprise and lay waste at noonday, school shootings. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only a spectator yourself inaccessible in the secret place of the Most High as you witness the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your place. There shall no evil, neither shall any calamity come near your tent, your house, your school, your work. 
for he will give your angels a give his angels a special charge over you to accompany and defend and preserve you in all your ways of obedience and service. They shall bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the adder. A lion and a snake in the natural, we can't tread on them. The young lion and the serpent shall you trample underfoot. Now that's only verse down to verse 13. My point being, mm-hmm. there's nothing that isn't covered in that. When that was written, there were no missiles. Right. There was no, there was no uh, bioweapon. Correct. But it covers everything. Right for the families. But they would have never had to deal with tragedy had somebody been taking authority and doing what they needed to do before it ever happened. And yes, I know that that's anticlimactic because then nothing happens. Right. And if somebody's spiritually ignorant, the devil can convince them that they're wasting their time and they'll stop doing it and then it will happen. Yeah. It's the time. Not at all. It's never a waste of time to you know, get in the word and pray and pray the word. What is a waste of time is to try to find natural solutions now. They're, everybody's scrambling for some reason, something that will make it right. Well, unfortunately, they're not going to find the answer. Correct. They're not. What they're, what they're wanting. You know, because this situation has been happening for decades. And there's there has yet to be an answer in however many years th- th- this has been going on. Right. You know. Because they're looking for a natural solution to a spiritual problem. Right. That's what this whole thing where everything we've been seeing for the last several years has been looking for natural solutions to spiritual problems. Right. And people begin to understand that it is a super, it is a supernatural issue. It's a spiritual issue. You know, I think you and I've had this conversation many times and, and we have, you know, I, I hear a lot of people say, well, not everything is a devil. Not everything is a spiritual issue. Well, if you want to yes, get technical, is. yes, it is. Yes, it is. You know, it. The spirit. We are reflecting exactly. what's going on in the spirit. Yes. So when people. About mirrors. The spirit, the spirit realm. Exactly. So when people start to come to that realization that, yes, it all is a spiritual issue, then maybe, and my prayer is this, that they will start addressing it in the spirit mm-hmm. and taking the initiative and being proactive in the spirit to stop those things from coming into the natural any longer. Right. None of the manifestations you know, we would see that we've seen of the demonic would have ever taken place if people had taken their place long ago. Right. And I know this isn't going to be popular with a lot of people out there. And that, it, that, does, that doesn't matter at this point, you know. I'm not um, here to make people feel good. No, and that's not I mean, what the word is. The word doesn't make <laughs> you feel good. You know, people, the, if you want to be honest about it, the, the word of God is, is pretty offensive, you know. Because <laughs> Jesus offended a lot of people <laughs> in his time. He did. He did. But, you know, that's what I'm saying. The word of God is, is offensive. You know, if you want to, if you don't believe me, just go tell people who you know, aren't Christians, just go talk to them about the word of God and they're going to get offended really quickly. Yeah. You know, and God, because there is no color in the word of God. Color is never addressed. Except the only example I can think of is Moses when he married the Ethiopian woman. That's the only time. And then it's Ethiopian woman, not black woman. Right. That's the only reference I can think of. It has to do with, with race. 
been, that's... this whole society has been so race baited over the last several decades, but the Bible doesn't even bring it up. I've never seen anywhere that it does. Mm-mm. Because it doesn't, we're all, like Jesse used to say, we're all dirt. So there's yellow dirt, there's black, the brown dirt, there's black dirt, there's white dirt, there's red dirt. We're all made of dirt. Yeah. <laughs> Just a different color dirt. Right. But it's, you know, if people choose to get offended by the word of God, then that's. It shows you where they're at. Yeah, it shows you where they're at. And it, that's not just unbelievers, but there's a lot of believers. Yeah, you know, a lot. A lot. I'm looking for, in 1 Corinthians 15, the Lord quickened me to the, something that I haven't read in a long time, but I'm looking for it now. Okay. Um. 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is of the Lord from heaven. He's talking about Adam and Jesus. Yeah. As it is the earthy, such are also that are earthy, and as of the heaven, such as also that that are heavenly. Could you start reading in verse forty-five in yours because yours may be more clear? It says, uh, "The scriptures tell us the first man Adam became a living person, but the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit." What came first was the natural body. Then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Every human being has an earthly body, just like Adam. But our heavenly bodies will be just like Christ's. Just as we are now, like Adam, the man of the earth... So will we someday be like Christ, the man from heaven. Right. And see, and it shows right there the duality, the spirit and the natural. Mm-hmm. We are, we have, everything starts in the, I mean, in this case, they're talking about Adam being first, but the spirit came before Adam because God always has always been. Right. And he was he, he as a spirit created a man who then lived on the earth, and then the spirit of God released Jesus onto the earth. So it was spirit, natural spirit. Everything is connected to the spirit. When somebody acts ugly with you, when you go to Walmart and somebody acts ugly with you, it's not them being ugly. Right. It's those spirits that are driving them that cause them to be ugly. Right. I've been working in call centers since 2005. That's 17 years of call centers. I can tell you in 17 years of call centers, and I've been in three of them, three different lines of business. I can tell you that a simple, that mute button becomes my best friend. <laughs> it does because I can put somebody on mute who's acting ugly and take authority over those spirits and I go back on the phone and they apologize to me nine out of ten times they apologize to me for being so rude well that's a good thing but it took... they realize that the reason right go ahead finish that thought it, it, I was just to say it, it took you taking authority over it, over that spiritual, that spirit that was giving you such a hard time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you do that, they, they don't really don't have any choice but to shut up. Right. So when you do that, that I, even. My shift without praying before the shift, because I always do. You're right. Lord and we always knows. did that. 
Yeah, Lord only Lord only knows how bad it would have been if I never did. Oh, I know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because my coworkers I do. don't know don't know to do that. And some days they they're drained before they've been there an hour. Well, I can be draining work. It can be, if you don't know your, your if authority. You, if you don't know your authority, exactly. Because most people don't last 17 years in call centers. No. no Many you, of them don't. Money yeah. don't last six months. <laughs> well, that's true. But you get a, a different a different breed of people on different parts of the shifts. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Cause we, I do. That was, you know, when we were working at that ministry, we, we both worked in the call center. We started out there. And um, I remember being told that very thing was that, you know, the day shift, the, the quality of people you get during the day shift is very different from the people that you talk to at night. Correct. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't, didn't really understand how, but once you start doing it, you, you get it. Right. Because it's, and it is very different. Come out in the, they come yeah. out in the dark. They like to play at night. <laughs> they do like to play at night. And they, they think those, a lot of those spirits don't recognize who they're dealing with at first. Right. They soon, they soon figure it out, but they don't recognize it at first. Right. And a lot of those spirits are not used to, to Christians standing up and taking their place. Right. I think what shook me in the beginning about that, about the, the difference in spirits, was that even the, even the people who were at calling at night were still professing to be Christians. Right. And some of the things that they would act, they would freely say, Right. You know, no to, thought, to no. me. Or... Yeah, no thought, no embarrassment. Yeah. Yeah, none whatsoever. And they would just, you know, blurt it right on out there. And it's like, I think that's what surprised me about it. Because I'm like, these are Christians calling a ministry. Right. And how can they be saying this kind of stuff? To... I mean, somebody in the ministry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody in the ministry, and you're like, and it, it blew my mind at first. It really did. I'm not going to mm-hmm. lie about that. I mean, it just, I didn't know how to react to it. But then when I met you on that shift, and we're like, you're like, I take authority. I, I pray before every shift, and I take authority before every shift. Well, I started doing that. And I noticed that it did make a difference. Now, every now and then, there would be one that would seep through. Right. And I would have to do what you do and make that mute button my best friend for a little while <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and take authority at that moment. And it, it, it makes a difference. It really does. And one of the things that, I, that I've used many, many, many times, more times than I could possibly keep track of is, and when I get back on the phone, I'm talking to the person. Yeah. Not the spirit. Right. You, all you spirits, you shut up. If I can't talk to the person, I'm not talking to anyone. And I cannot right. to that person would hang up before I got back because they were yeah. so overrun with spirits and the spirits couldn't talk and the person had nothing. Exactly. And you know how I learned to do all that in the very, very beginning? Do you know how I learned to do all that? Did I ever no. tell you that story? I don't think you did, no. I had a mother that the enemy used against me my entire life. I never was able to do anything right because the spirits of accusation, criticism, uh, mockery, bitterness, anger, resentment, jealousy would manifest themselves with my mother towards me. Right. And I grew up as a child. I, I couldn't get along with my mother. Very, very, you know me now as a bold woman of God. Yeah. But I, at that point in my life, I was very quiet, very meek. 
because I felt like I was always walking on eggshells. I never knew what was going to set them off. Yeah. And I didn't know that I didn't know it was spirits. Right. And when I first started talking about the believer's authority and I had picked up Kenneth Hagin's book, which is an excellent book. Kenneth E. Hagin's mm-hmm. book. It's, it's maybe I, I may, may have put it back in print two or three times at this point, but the believer's authority, I read it and I realized that I had the authority and I then started to understand that I wasn't dealing with my mother. It was my mother's voice. It was my mother's body as she was in front I could see her, but it wasn't mm-hmm. her. Right. And before, if I knew my mother was calling me, I would have authority before she ever called me. This, this was, I'm dating myself here because I'm only 21. <laughs> I know it's hard for you to imagine, but there was a time when there was no caller ID. So I would not know that it was my mother calling. And if, I, if it took me by surprise, I learned to put my, in, in those days, there was no mute button on the phone either. So I learned to put my hand over the phone and take authority over those spirits. Mm-hmm. And she'd be on a huge tirade. She wouldn't take a breath. You know how you, when you're in call centers and you've got somebody who's talking, you're trying to get a word in edgewise, you wait for them to take a breath. Yeah. Well, she wouldn't take a breath. <laughs> and I would put my phone and I, in the name of Jesus, I'm not talking to you. I'm only talking to my mother. And if I can't talk to my mother, I'm not, I'm talking to anybody because I'm not talking to you. Right. You shut up. And one of two things would happen. She would either, and when I went back on the phone, she would either say to me, I, I have something I have to do, and she'd hang up. Yeah. Or she'd be, she would say, uh, what was I saying? Was I saying something? <laughs> what were we talking about? Right. And I'd say, well, if it was important, you'll, you'll think of it again. Yeah. And I would change the subject. That's how I learned to do that. Wow. And I had spent, at that point in my life, I had spent over 21 years in torment. Because I didn't know what I was dealing with. Yeah. And because I had grown up so mealy mouth and so um, passive, I had to, at one point, I had to pray and say, Lord, you're going to have to make me bold. I need to be bold because I realize what I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I don't know, I, I can't, I'm not bold like I should be. Well, when you ask him to make you bold, he will do it yeah he, and he did i'm trying to look for that scripture it's in i think it's in acts let's see i think it's towards the end of the chapter oh here it is um no towards the end of the chapter where they they asked the Lord to make them bold because they were being threatened. Is it down like 29 and 31? If you find it, let me. Oh, here it is. Okay, thank you. Um, So I'm going to back up a little bit, a couple of verses. Uh, verse 26, the kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his, his Christ or against his anointed one. For of a truth against your holy child Jesus, whom you have anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever your hand and your counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, verse 29 and now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. And I had to pray that. And I prayed a little while. And the Lord said, you can stop now if you want. Because I no longer had that 
merely passive. I would just put up with whatever happened and just try to get away from it. Right. My mother, to the day she passed, could not understand why we were not, we were not close. I honestly mm-hmm. think she understood what she had. Yeah. And I oh, talked to the Lord. Not. And I talked to the Lord about it. And I said, I can hardly wait to meet her because I, before she passed. So I, I, I told the Lord, I can hardly wait to meet her and talk to her as a person, not as those spirits. Right. Because I never as a person, except for maybe. You know, two sentences here and two sentences there. And I was almost your age when she passed. So it tells you how many years I had to put up with that. That's a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, of course, you're only 22, but you know what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just slightly older than you. Yeah. Just barely. Yeah. Yeah. It barely. Yeah. But the thing of it is, is this is what, this is where the rubber meets the road. Right. And we've talked about Christians standing up and doing what they're supposed to do. I don't think Mm -hmm. a lot of them have been taught this, but we are in a war. This is good against evil. And if you, good will always win, but you have to fight the fight. We are, we are called in, in the Bible, the, the army of the Lord. I don't know an army that lays down and lets the, the, the enemy walk over them. Right. And you don't see an army just being spectators, you know. No. You don't. I mean, that's why they're an army. They get up and they, they put on their, their battle gear, their armor, and they, they fight. They get in there and battle. Right. And that's what we're called to do. Right. And like like you... You know, I'm just as frustrated with those people who say, you know, oh, God is in control. Well, God does have a certain level of control over every situation that's going on. But you do have to understand that you play a part in that. You you have Absolutely. to play a part play in a part. this. Yeah. Yeah. So you either enter the battle, you know, get your battle gear on and enter the battle this is just me speaking right now you know this is this is my this is my viewpoint of it enter the battle or shut up (laughs) and move out of the way because move out of of us exactly there are those of us who are who are willing to fight and we are and we do it daily and if you're not one of those but you're gonna talk a good game anyway you know believe me i i i've got your number i know who you are (laughs) And, but, and you know, in the Seven Sons of Siva, they knew who who that that faker was. Yeah, you know that guy that came in in Acts and said, you know, G, you know, in the name of Jesus, whom whom I I've heard preach or something to that effect. They said mm-hmm. the de- demon said to him, Jesus, we know, Paul, we know, but we who are you? Right. The enemy knows who who's the the real warrior and who isn't. You can't fake it. I know. Oh, that reminds me of a story, another story, if you've got just a no, second. I've, I've got I've got time. Go uh, I told you to speak up. <laughs> I, I know. But I just I want to make sure it's okay to tell tell my story. It is. It is. I have I have a, a friend that I've known. I went to high school with her. We've known each other for thirty something years. And I don't know, kinda of hard to believe since we're only in our early twenties, but right. Um it is amazing. But she was telling me one time that she was babysitting this child and this child of a demon child, if you know what I mean, handful. Right, right. She was with this child. I don't remember the whole context of the story, but she was with this child and this child was saying something to her and it wasn't very pleasant, you know, and kind of disrespectful for a child to say to an adult, but she knew in her spirit that this was not the child speaking. Right. It, it was the, the demon that was in the child or influencing the child. Right. And so she, she said, to, she looked this child right in the eye and she goes, in the name of Jesus, I, I take authority over you, you know, or something to that effect. And that child 
this demon actually through this child looked her right in the eyes and said very boldly, you don't know him. So, yeah. Said, you don't know him. So that, if that doesn't, and it shook her, you know, needless to say, it shook her quite a bit, but yeah, that's the thing. If you don't know the Lord and if you don't know who you are in him, and if you don't have, um, the knowledge of the authority you have in him as a believer, as a child of God, those demons will not be shy. Mm-mm. And they will tell you straight out, you don't know him. And they will and not they, stop. Because what they're saying to you is you don't know him. So he's authority. Therefore, we don't have to listen to you. Exactly. That's exactly what they were saying to her. Right. That would that would shake one. That would definitely it, shake one. It would it would shake me, you know. But uh, I, thank goodness I don't have to worry about that because I know exactly who I am, right? And I know exactly the the authority that I have and the power that I have through the Holy Spirit and the name of you know the weapons that I have the the, the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the the sword the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Right. You know what to do with your weapons. I know you're what not, to do. You're still not trying to figure out how to lift that sword and use it. No, I know exactly how to swing it. <laughs> you know? right. Which is which is one of the things, I mean, in my books, there are at least a couple and there's imagery of where the, 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 the new believer is now trying to lift that sword and they don't even know how to use it. They're like a child trying to lift something that's too heavy. And right. the demons are watching and laughing because they're no threat. Right. And I had a, I have like, a had over the years, I've had friends that were either, most of my friends have either been hairdressers or nurses. And I couldn't figure out for years why it was that most of my friends were either hairdressers or nurses until the Lord showed me that they both had one thing in common. And that is they care for it. So I had a nurse friend of mine and we were called uh, by somebody that, that she knew to go into the mental health in a certain county in California. And in that, that mental health facility conglomerate, there was I ward, H ward, and J ward. J ward was the one that when you walk, in, walk around in that area where J ward was, the windows were up about 12 feet above the ground. And you could hear things like chairs being thrown across the wall and this kind of thing. So we were, we were um, invited. Oh, that's right. She was going to review her care home. And that, per, that person was in I ward. So, you know, no, H ward. I, you know, H-I-J. Oh, yeah. First, H is first, right? Yes. Okay. It was I ward. We were supposed to go to I ward. And she said, will you come with me? Because she knew my background. Mm -hmm. She knew that I I was the one that knew about authority. And she, she, she's Filipino. And Edith was about four foot eight in high heels. She'd been four foot 10. (laughs) So she's very tiny. And we got into I ward and she and I, neither one of us knew what to expect, but time we prayed together and we got in there and they had to unlock the doors to let us in and the door shut and locked behind you that tells you the kind of place you're in the doors right. are weighted and they bang shut and they're locked and you can't yeah. get out without somebody letting you out right and we had to head down this long hall and as we as we got in there all these there were probably 30 people 30 adults men and women that were surrounding us and you know I'm only 5'2", and she's like 4'8". Right. So there's two of us. And she says, we have to go. I, we, Howie, I said, just, we just need to walk. So we started walking forward, and it was like the parting of the Red Sea. I, I can still see it in my spirit, and it's been, it's been probably 25 years since I, since I 30 years since I was, I was there. And those patients parted. And I kept, I looked briefly to my left and to my right, and you could see the demons in their eyes. Oh, but they wow. could do nothing. 
Yeah. And we went out and interviewed this for this patient and the care home and we left and we got to the car and she said, did you see that? I said, "Uh uh-huh. She said, did you see the way they were looking at you? I said, yeah. She says, Vivian, I've never seen anything like that. I said, well, frankly, neither have I, but they, she, I said, she says, wow. I said, they knew me. She says, yeah, they look like they knew you. Yeah. They knew who I was. Of course. And they parted. We, they were trying to intimidate. They stood in a big circle around us. But as soon as we started moving forward, they moved out of the way. Right. And it's like, you know, when we're reading through the New Testament and every time Jesus comes upon a demonic spirit, they know him. He doesn't have to introduce himself. They right. know him. I didn't have to say I'm a, a servant of the Most High, move out of the way. In front of them. Right. Because your spirit irritates their demons. Right. And that's what it is. And that's it was the same with Jesus. His spirit was irritating them, but they knew who he was. He didn't have to, he didn't have to introduce himself or announce who he was. They begged him not to, not to torment them before the time. Right. Exactly right. And where is the church on this? How how much have we seen in the in the public realm recently? Anyone talk about that? Or any manifestation I, of, of the sons of God like that? I've not. Exactly. That's my I've, point. Yeah. And that's why we had to discuss this. Play right. to win. We're on it's, the winning team. There's no reason not to win. We are. Play to win. We are on the winning team. But like I said, you know, winning teams have to they actually do their part. Do the, yeah, do their part and get involved. Because you game. don't have a team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They don't win. You don't get win in the game. You're sitting on the sidelines. You don't win. Right. So the end of the Bible says, or the last, cha- the last book says we win. We still have to play. Right. There's a whole lot of mess. Like Jesse said recently on, one, on, a, on a, um, a sermon that I heard recently. He says, you want to know the will of God? First two chapters of Genesis, last two chapters of Revelations is everything in between is what we have to deal with until we get to the last two chapters. Right. Okay. I think we've given plenty of the listeners plenty to think about. I'm going to go, we're going to go ahead and leave it here and we'll talk next week. But in the meantime, be blessed, be victorious, be fearless be courageous, be who you were called to be, and defeat the darkness.